Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now, your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you, Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for All right, here we go, guys. I am pumped. We have a gentleman that I met at an event in downtown Bettendorf, Iowa. Thank the SEALs is the charitable organization that raises money for one Navy SEAL family every year and one of the other parts of our military, one of the other branches of our military, and they they had an amazing event this year, and they had an amazing speaker, and this gentleman... Chris Peranto attended Dixie State University and Mesa State College. He was Army Green Beret for four years and then in Army National Guard. After his enlisted time, he became a CIA contractor and uh, is also the author author of 13 Hours, which is an incredible book. And the movie, um, as he will tell you, is really very, very close to the events that happened in Benghazi, Libya, that cost the lives of some, some dear Americans. And uh, he's also author of uh, The Ranger Way and Living the Code and a couple of other books. I tell you what, this guy's also an incredible speaker. Um, Chris, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Oh, th- thanks, Pat, man. It's, it's, it's an honor, brother. I again, remember, I, I've been following you since, since, your, since your beginning days. I know I, I don't want to go back that far. It's not that far. I'm not saying you're that old, brother. I promise <laughs> you, you're not. They had that. They had <laughs> they, they had to colorize. They had to colorize my fight films. <laughs> so they, when they were on the eight millimeters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Whatever. Exactly. So, exactly. but you, back in the day when you were the you were, didn't matter the weight class, man. You guys just just get in there. So I, I I really am honored, man. I appreciate you and and you saying those nice things about me. But they're all lies. Every every one of them is a lie. I'm I'm a I'm a five foot two weenie. And my wife can kick my butt, which is actually the truth. That is actually the truth. So, well, we'll I, I, that. smart man, I, smart man. I, I met your wife and your <laughs> and your little son yeah. at the event, yeah. and, and uh, your wife looks like she could probably throw most of us around pretty easily. She's a strong. You can tell yeah. she does a lot of working out. Yeah, she does. Actually, I met her. I, I was at grad school at University of Nebraska at Omaha, and I met her. She was an All America volleyball player there. She oh, actually awesome. was a Division two Player of the Year athlete and. Uh, yeah, I played football in college, so it was kind of a this before you know before I went in the service, and it, it just uh, kind of clicked. So yeah, she she still stays in shape quite a bit, works out a ton, and and looks great. You know, that's one of our three kids. She has three kids, and and well, we do, I should say. She had them though, so it's hers. You know, they are. She she had to she had to squeeze those suckers out. So so believe me. It, so um yeah i appreciate that because she does she she really runs the show and, and takes care of me and has put up with me since you know since i was in the rangers all the way through till you know my contracting days and she was the first person i called the after the event when i could call on the airfield uh you know there's a scene in the movie with john krasinski calling you know and talking to his wife i mean that really is encompasses all of us that called our wives and mm. said hey this is us and i remember i just said hey this is me you know, hey, I, you're going to see something on the news. I can't talk about it. I'm fine. Yeah, we lost a couple of buddies. That's all I can say right now because they were still tracking our phones. We weren't safe yet. So it was like in brief on a cell phone out, and then I talked to her again when I was in Germany. So she's been through a lot, been through a lot. Yeah, a lot. Uh, without a doubt. And, you know, I, for me, I remember 
I've, I've always, you know, tried to keep up on the news um, for what sure. spin they're trying to sell us on. And, and I tell you what, I was instantly furious because I knew it was a lie when Obama and Hillary Clinton stood in front of those caskets of those fallen heroes and uh, Ambassador Chris Stevens. And, yeah. and I tell you what, they lied to the families, they lied to America, and they said that this was because of a YouTube video. And I instantly... I said, "There's this is this is impossible," um, and it was it was disgusting. And I can't believe the rest of America didn't see right through it and freak out like I did. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people are are pretty sold on the mainstream media being the authoritarians and the or the authority on on the truth, which we um, know that they're not. So, um, if we could. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Pat. Go ahead. Well, no, it's, it's just it's to me it's easier that way. It's easier for people to think that than to see the truth because the truth, you know, you have to if you have a, if you believe in a paradigm, it, it's gonna it's gonna screw that paradigm up. If you if you if you believe something else, it's just it's easier to follow along with the with the pop culture and mainstream media. It's more enjoyable life that way than actually see the truth and. And then also, it, it, it to me, when you see somebody out there that you believe is your leader should be in charge, and and you find that they are they have no moral compass at all, um, you know, what do you do? Uh, it, it, people have so much of a hard time thinking that they're wrong or believing that they're wrong right. or believing maybe they believe in something that they shouldn't have, and say, hey, you know what, I'm wrong. I made a mistake. People can't make mistakes anymore. If they do, it's it's well, it's somebody else's fault. And, and that was that was the case right there. But the world saw it. And the world continues to see it because. Uh, you still see our 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 false leaderships out there making mistakes, and 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 the media pushes it the other way, and it's just a smoke and mirrors, and and, and people just can't they can't deal with it. So they just say, you know what, this person is a terrible person, needs to be in prison, and 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 it, it just doesn't happen. And I know I'm I'm kind of going off on a tangent. I'm sorry. I get no, I get that's all right. That's all right. We we're it, we're here to listen to you, and you know our Jeff and Jeff and my. Uh, bullshit radars are pretty good at detecting um, stanky, <laughs> stanky feces, uh, and it certainly our radar certainly went off um, when Obama and Hillary stood in front of those caskets and and lied to the people. So what I I want to do is you know I was amazed with you giving the details of that night in Benghazi, Libya, and how you were held back and told you couldn't go for almost a half an hour, um, and then then you finally went and and. You know, you talked about the guy that was your faux leader at the time that was yeah. a State Department, and uh, he was he was being told by the State Department to hold you guys back and not let you go, correct? Well, I, at that point in time, actually, he was our CIA chief of base. We actually had two. If, the, if your people read the book, you'll see that we – people that read the book, they'll see that we actually had a team leader. Uh, Roan, the SEAL team, SEAL team Roan, he was our, right. our really our SEAL Team 6. Tyrone passed away that night. He really was our leader, but he was, in effect, on paper, our assistant team leader because he was a contractor. We had a staffer right. that that was a former Secret Service agent that no military experience. He was our actual team leader. I'd worked him before in Afghanistan. I'd worked him before in Mosul. I worked him in Kabul and Mosul before, and no military experience at all. It, you know, this this I, I he was one of those guys that just if you he, he just shut your mouth. He's just like, dude, shut your mouth. Just stay out of our way, you know. Just do the paperwork, go talk on the same time, let us do our thing. But right. he wasn't an operator by any means. Then we had the chief of base, Bob, who was pretty. I think we portrayed him actually, and he is in the movie. Uh, portrayed him stronger than what he actually was in real life. I, you know, he was just a just a weenie. Well, 
both of those guys are, are who took, took just were taking their commands from the CIA personnel and, and quite possibly all the way up to Patrick Kennedy and Charlene Lamb. I don't know for sure in that aspect. I know the military was. We had basically two standouts. But at the beginning, it was a CIA call. Um, do I think that beginning one was facetious or did they just, hey, we're going to let these guys die? I, I really don't. I do believe that really they were out of their element. They fall. They their their leadership capabilities were in in completely in disarray, and they just made a bad call. Um, because it, which in essence, when I talk about leadership, when I talk about Benghazi that night, I talk about bottom up leadership. Sometimes leaders need to know when they're completely out of their element, and you got to turn to your subordinates and say, Hey, you know what? I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You guys have more experience in this than I do. You guys need to take <laughs> over. But their pride would not let them do that. And. And that's really what caused that 30-minute delay. And that was just – that was complete – and that goes back to today's society. Again, complete pride. I don't want to admit that I'm wrong. I don't know what I'm doing. And in this case, because they didn't want to admit they were wrong, they didn't know what the hell they were doing. You had six guys that were – and I hate to use the word subject matter experts because I don't believe you're an expert in anything. Anybody's an expert in anything. You can be very good at something. But let's just put it. We had a lot more experience in that ass in in that sort of uh in combat and in, in security than they did instead of turning it over to us and saying hey guys take it out take it from here they just held on to it until it was like you, you guys just basically locked up you know you right. guys went in the black the colonel cooper's color codes you went in the black you don't know what the hell you're doing they shut down okay guys we got to take over now and by that time again yeah, 30 minutes had gone by now the military stand down people won't realize that there was a military stand down as well that was the one that hurt us that one, and again, I, I, I do believe uh, uh, Ambassador Stevens and Sean Smith would still be alive if we had left in five minutes instead of 30. Yeah, we, a couple of us might have died. That, that's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. I remember I even said that to Congress when they asked me, you know, you guys could have died if you would have left earlier. Well, that was our job, you idiots. Well, Chris, let me we're ask you, I don't mean to interrupt. How, how abnormal was that to get a stand-down order from the military like that? It is completely abnormal. Normally, normally, and I actually I, I talk a little bit about this. I have a third book coming out. I talk about this a little bit where we had a military intelligence group that was getting hemmed up in Afghanistan, and before the word go was even – we had four cars launching out of the gate to go help them, and then we get our orders on the fly on the radio <clears throat> to sit there and wait completely abnormal. And for the military to not come, that is completely abnormal as well. That's why – there was other things going on for us to, be, to to hold, and something that doesn't happen on any kind of basis that has never happened in my ten. And I, I had been deploying for what, 10, 11 years at that point. That had never happened ever in 11 years of going overseas. That's the first time and only time that I have ever been, and I've known that that has happened. Where State Department told the military, the military listened, the military stood down, and also our own CIA personnel told us to not go. Normally, we are. We are in control, GRS, Global Response F. We are out the gate getting orders on the fly where we're heading in the direction to help whoever needs help. And it doesn't matter if it's State Department. doesn't matter if it's DOD. doesn't matter if it's an American civilian. doesn't matter if it's an Afghani police force. We are going to help. And Do you care to speculate? I know of that Do you care to speculate why what? why that might have occurred that <laughs> night? Well, I, I, don't know if I, I don't even know if I'm really speculating anymore. Um Brother, we shouldn't have been in, in Libya. We we were helping move weapons to Syria. Right. And yeah. I, now to say now to say that Ambassador Stevens was going to spill the beans, that is somewhere I would have to speculate. What did Ambassador Stevens know? Was he going to spill the beans? Was he part of that? 
was he not did he not agree with it anymore that i don't know but to but to know why we were just left out to dry yeah because we shouldn't have been in libya in the first place Gaddafi wasn't a threat we were in libya to facilitate the overthrow of 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 um of uh, Bashir, uh, was it Bashir Assad? Bashar Assad, yeah. They're in Syria, yeah, and and it was to get the weapons from Gaddafi's arms over to the Libyan rebels, which in Obama's smart plan, those Libyan rebels, they uh, and the uh, Syrian rebels, they weren't rebels, they weren't militias, they were the terrorists. We got right. attacked by their own weapons. We were giving them to them. Ansar Sharia is who we we're giving weapons to. It was it was complete. It was ridiculous. Think of Fast and Furious in Libya. That's yeah. basically what it was. Fast yeah. and Furious in Libya. And we talk and, about that all the just, time on the show. I mean, I, I don't. You, you might know some, some of the nomenclature we've heard is uh, Operation Gladio B of basically utilizing these proxy forces to de- destabilize certain areas in the world. And I'm glad to hear yep. you really say that because Pat and I have kind of theorized. We've seen certain reports, et cetera, et cetera, that how we have kind of funded some of these certain proxy armies. But to hear you say it really puts a stamp of approval on it. It's really just... So unfortunate, man, because this is what's really dictated our foreign policy is this war on terror. And we've asked other former SEALs, like, how do you guys feel about it, man? That how do you know who the freaking enemy is? Well, you, you, you don't until they shoot at you. And that if you guys have probably if you've done your been doing your due diligence and doing your homework, you also saw I think it was the year after Libya. We had special forces militia shooting on ground branch CIA militias. Our own militias that one one branch was supporting, and the other branch was supporting. Wow. So we had DOD militias on one side in Syria, CIA militias with the ground branch guys on the other side. They ended up getting in firefights on each other in Syria because there was no communication. We had no clue what was going on. Wow. They still have no clue really what's going on. It's so uh, with you guys saying you're speculating, you're not speculating. You're you're right on. <laughs> and maybe I'll get a Hellfire missile coming in my house because I'm saying this now. <laughs> Well, but and, I, you know, I, I I don't care. It's it's the truth. It's the God honest truth. Right, and we you know we talked to it. There's there's been documents that have been released showing that the Hillary Clinton yeah. State Department was arming ISIS, and and uh, you know we know where a lot yep. of the funding came from, um, moving heroin and and all of that sort of stuff. We've we've got plenty of that inside baseball information, and and like like Jeff said, to have you confirm it is really important. But um, the the particulars we're going to pick through as far as the the, the political side of it and all that sort of stuff as we're doing. But I think, I think what's really important is for our fans and our listeners out there who are really going to be enthralled with, you know, you just telling, you know, if you, if you want to abbreviate it, obviously because of, of time constraints, sure. but I think it's important for every American to hear this story, to see this movie, but to hear your voice, um, talk about this attack when you guys got there, uh, got on site and had to work your way in there and getting over walls and all the other stuff just to get in there. Uh, it's it's a hell of a it's that's a hell of a night, buddy. You, you know, it, 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 when, I remember me and Boone talked about it when we got back and it's like, gosh, we, we really got it. I mean, you'll get to do everything on an op that you, you want, but really all your training that night came together. Now, we've done other trainings and things, other other ops were. Yes, parts of this, pieces of this, but it really was. Hey, we had to assault on foot. We were we were had less guys than than what I, I would say ten times, if not more, less than the enemy force. You know, we had to yeah assault through backyards. We had to also drive part of the way there, so we're utilizing our vehicles as well. Then we had to do a PRE mission, mission, a principal rescue and evacuation mission of six people. Then we had to hunker down and and fight, uh, do some. Uh, you know, uh, fire-based stuff. So we had to actually sit there and, and control our own base and, and repel attackers. And then we got hit by mortars. 
Um, and so we had to deal with that. Then we had to communicate with local militias, just trying to find who were friendlies were. The only thing that we didn't do that night was call in air support because State Department, in their great wisdom, decided not to send us any air support, even though we were perfectly capable to call in air support because that was what we had done in our past lives. And I actually still had still, – I still was teaching that right. at Blackwater when I was home. So, um, no, it really – the beginning of the night to, to assaulting you, just taking <clears throat> taking the 30 minutes, people don't realize – it, it it takes so much time to to take ground back once you lose it, mm. and we had completely lost the initiative by the time we left because it, we, we waited 30 minutes. And they did. Ansar Sharia and Al Qaeda in the Maghreb did just what we would have done. They they took the the consulate. They 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 put some defenses down. So we had to try. We had to assault that thing with six guys, and we ended up splitting. And I remember me and Boone decided to take the hard way which was jumping over the walls and just going through backyards. If, if people that have been in the Middle East, you guys that have been there, have been in the Middle East or North Africa know that every every yard ha- has basically their own compound. They're eight-foot-high block walls surrounding each backyard. So you're right. going over every wall. You're, 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 you're just making sure that – and you're praying that when you climb over that wall. If, you're, if you can't find a hole through it, preferably you want to go through a hole or through a gate. You don't want to climb over the top because you're, you can't hide – every piece of your body when you're climbing over the top, but just for the sake of trying to get there because we'd already been delayed, we ended up climbing over the majority of those walls. And, and I I tell you what, um, it just, it just is going back and thinking, man, you know, you're, you're tired. I'm in my forties at that point. And I I remember, and I like to point this out because I says, think it says a lot for the SOCOM guys, the special op guys, the combat controllers, air force, pararescue, ranger, so forth. You think back, you're like, man, I, you know, I've done this. I've done harder stuff than this. And it becomes that mind over matter stuff. And, and I know, Pat, you with your training, you know that. Your, your, your body stops. You know, your body will continue to go. Your mind is going to get it to quit. And that's where it just was, okay, I can continue to do this. And you right. just continue to, to, to will yourself and you keep pushing. And you're getting on that objective and fighting them off for, what, an hour, an hour and a half. And then then realizing, hey, that there is a drone. Guys, people that don't know that the movie's spot on, that we had a drone early on. That drone was feed. Was Everybody was seeing that drone feed from about 11.45 the rest of the night. And it was telling us to get back to the consulate because it was going to get overrun, and, and uh, we had to get back. And, and then we ended up getting in, what, three more firefights from from uh, right around 12.30 on to about 5 a.m., and that's when the mortars hit us. And and you know we just we had nothing for that we couldn't we couldn't defend the mortars we were lucky they stopped if they would have kept mortaring us because they were far for effect they would have just decimated they would have killed us all we had no way to take that wow. but because and and I didn't get into this in at that speech there Pat but I, that militia that escorted us I mean that escorted Bub's team in from Tripoli Glenn passed away that night he was a SEAL Team Three guy Glenn's team they were Omar Gaddafi's militia that was the ironic thing of that night. That initial escort of Bub's team in that escorted our friendlies in, the two Delta guys, the three other GRS guys, that that militia belonged to Omar Qaddafi. And the militia that took out that mortar team for us belonged to Omar Qaddafi. And the what? militia that came in that I didn't know was friendly or foe, that I was I was about I was I was I was, I was at Sphincter Factor ten when I didn't know if they were gonna shoot me shoot me with that disc or not, that belonged to Omar Qaddafi. To me, right there, don't tell me when in there to overthrow Omar Gaddafi when he was the guy. Uh, essentially, he has saved us the rest of the night. Omar Gaddafi's militia. That, and I didn't touch on that at the uh, seal thing. I just didn't really get into it too much because I didn't want to get too. That wasn't more. That wasn't a political thing. Uh, right. That was, you know, hey, let's let's raise money. But that 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 
those militias, those militias wow. all belong to Omar Gaddafi. And yeah, because that, to because that, you know, obviously that, that uh, thank the seals uh, thing, you know, you're right. It was, it was about something obviously different. Um, but I, the political yeah. side of things, everybody with anybody who's ever dug into um, why these dictators are being taken out. I mean, Gaddafi was taken out because he had uh, planned on and creating the Dinar as the, uh, yeah, that, that, <laughs> there you go. That was going to yep. be that was going to be used to purchase yep. his his oil. So he had to go because the petrodollar was going to suffer because of that. So he's a dead man right away, right? Yeah, yeah, bro. You people people need to dig into that more. I'm glad you said that because yeah. that was one of the main reasons why. He, yeah, we we oh, we went into Iraq to control the oil and money. It, it, it was that I would that is more that is more a Libya definition of why we went into Libya more than anything else of that and then the the weapons movement is is because Omar Gaddafi was going to cut out cut out everybody else and and get his own get his own uh, currency and buy his own oil and shut the rest of the world out and they couldn't have that. Well, Chris, what do you think about what do you think about even like some of the stuff you know we hear about now? We're going into possibly Venezuela or Iran. Yeah. What are your thoughts on you know what, what the public perception is of why we go into these wars and the real reason why we go into these conflicts and then you guys have to go over there and fight and possibly die and i obviously respect the service like a champ there's no question about that but sometimes i don't respect the war necessarily because it's always not always yeah. but so often under these dubious illegal certain young men off to die man. thank you exactly and we fall for it every time like here we are going into iran possibly or venezuela it's always about natural resources or regime change or whatever it, it really is. Uh, you know, I, I'll be odd. I didn't think we should have went into Iraq. Guys may hate me for that. I know I have my best friends. They go, yeah, we had WMDs. We may have. I know they found mustard. I think some of it got moved into Syria. Did I have a problem going into Iraq, though, to fight terror? No, I didn't. I, I, you, we, I, I think nine out of the ten guys you ask that go and fight wars, they're never going to tell you. I'm doing it because my president's telling me to. Right. I'm doing it because the politicians are telling me to. Or We're doing it, and I'm going to put a point blank. We do it because we enjoy it. We like it. We enjoy the adrenaline. We like getting over there and being with our buddies. We love, and you do. I, I always said I am my best person when I am overseas because I nothing. I have no no outside distractions. There's no and and you know I, I have a beautiful wife. I you know and I, but I haven't always been the greatest man. I haven't always been the greatest husband. We've been divorced twice. You know I I but when I'm overseas, my focus is God take care of me. This is my job. This is my brother. I'm good and whole. I'm going to make sure he gets home to his family. I'm going to do my damage to get home to my family. I love them more than anything in the world, and I just love this adrenaline. I love it. Now, guys may think of other things. That is my thing, but I'm never going to say I'm here because – and, of course, you, you're there to protect the sovereignty of the United States because I want people back in the States to enjoy the freedoms that they've continually enjoyed that you don't see in all these third-world countries. You don't. Um, that yeah, being I, said, I, I ran – Go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 I, no. I, I was saying with Iran and Afghanistan, Iran, Iran is a threat to our sovereignty. I, I really believe that, and we allowed that. They have the ability to get a nuclear weapon, and guys, uh, the, the, damn, the damn Islamists, they are crazy enough to blow up the entire world just to, just to, just to destroy the infidel. They, they really are. I've seen the, – and that's the Islamists. Don't go crazy out there. I have fought alongside Muslims, guys. I love, I love guys that are – Muslim brothers who fought alongside me, but the Islamists, the hard, char, the hardcore radicals, yes, they will. And I believe that the mullah over there and in, in Iran, I, I, I do believe they're they're that they're that way off that they would they would nuke the whole they nuke the whole Western United States to get what they want. I, I do believe that we've let that go though. We could have stopped it a long time ago. Venezuela, 
really Venezuela is a threat? I, I, I'm, I'm with you on the natural resources, guys. Do we really need to go into Venezuela? Right, right. I, I think right. we have enough of our own resources. So I, Iran would be because I do really believe they are a threat to our sovereignty now. We have let that we have let that boil fester and fester and fester under the Obama administration, specifically those eight years, and then even before that. But just that primarily that they could be a threat to the United States of America. If they are a threat to our sovereignty. Hell yeah, we're mm, getting yeah. in there. That's, and, and, and people and help wonder. With, People wonder yeah. how people wonder how Iran got more uranium. Well, look no further than <laughs> Hillary Clinton's uranium one deal with the Soviets. You, you know, I lose my mind trying to explain this to oh, people, and yeah. they just I want to beat my face on a table because you know that was the channel that how they got it. Brother, you, it's exactly how they got it, and then it's the. The deals that we had with them, uh, hey guys, don't don't build any more, don't build any more of your nuclear facilities. Don't you try to get any more weapons grade uranium? Because if you do, we're going to tell you not to do it anymore. <laughs> that doesn't right. work. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and we we have let this exacerbate into where now it could become a full fledged World War Three, and now we're going to blame it on the current president. Now he inherited this mess, and you know, I'm telling you people this because I. Like I said, 10, 10, almost 11 years fighting this war on terror and watching that Iranian – and, and when you're overseas, you, you actually even see it from a different perspective because you're seeing it from different – even from different points of view from the media because you're seeing a lot of the Islam I, – I, mean, I, I did. I tried to watch a lot of the Islam news that I could just to get a different viewpoint of it. But you're also you, – you hear the scuttlebutt, and you hear with your locals that you're working with of how bad Iran is or how bad the Saudis are. And they don't get that over here in the United States. So I, you know, I, I know that I, I should say, no, you don't know anything. I'm not an expert, but right. my gut is, my gut is just, and we, we let that Iran regime get to where it is now. And if we don't stop it, yes, the sovereignty, the, the United States of America itself is, could be nuked by, by an Iran regime and they wouldn't lose any sleep in the world doing it. Well, and, and at very least, Israel is certainly very vulnerable, and and Israel, in yeah. in our minds, has also, you know, been been culpable in in causing an awful lot of problems, you know, between you know their Mossad and and how you, to think that Mossad isn't isn't uh, stirring up the pot and, yeah. and funding terrorists also and doing a lot of other shit. They're doing the same stuff with with Israel and and uh, you know a lot of others. But you know, it's it's it is important, I think, during this episode, like you mentioned, to say, look. You're you're a guy who witnessed it. You had a lot of great Muslims fighting alongside of you and dying, fighting against these terrorists, fighting against these people that are funded, um, unfortunately, by Western by by Western nations, yeah. including including us. Um, so yep. you know th those people are innocent. I mean, my my the guy that lives right across the street from me is an orthopedic surgeon. From I won't say his name, but uh, he's an incredible guy. He fixed my wife's shoulder. Um, he's from Afghanistan. And I love the guy to death, and he's as American as anybody as I've ever seen. And, I, and in the end, you know, we we have to be able to figure out how to how to stop this scourge of of this terrorism. And it comes down to uh, the funding. And and what I said to I said to a media person one time when I got a chance to talk to him, who's a pretty big name media person, I said, "Why don't you report on who's doing the banking for the ISIS oil transactions when they got a hold of the refineries?" If you did that, then I'd actually believe you were telling me the truth because I know you're not. <laughs> what, what, well, tell me, what did he say? Did he have an answer for it? I, uh, I want to know what he, he said. Did, he didn't <laughs> say a word. He was. He looked at me <laughs> oh, like, like here in the headlights because he knew I knew he was full <laughs> of shit. 
Because if we come back again to this paradigm, you you just challenged his paradigm. Even if he did know, he's not going to say anything because yeah. whoever media that he works for is going to go against the, the political opponent, the, the political person that he supports, which they're part of that and they're culpable with it as well. And, right. and uh, you know, it's it's, it's just it's, – it's a thing. It's just a vicious cycle, brother. Yeah. But the only thing we can do is just be like you and, and even like myself every once in a while when I, when, I, when I have my head screwed on straight, you know, which is about half the time, and say, this is what's going on, guys. This is – you got to start listening to. But we have said it are blue in the face. Don't believe the media. I'll tell people out there again. Don't believe the mainstream media. Turn that right. stuff off. They're, they're fear-mongering you. They're feeding you a line to push you to their viewpoint to, to vote for that political candidate because that's the pop culture thing now I do. Jeez, being, in, being in office is like being in Hollywood now. I, it's just it's turn that off. Just right. Turn it yeah. off and just start utilizing your common sense. And, and people don't use that anymore. People don't use Absolutely. that anymore. Um, Absolutely. Well, even going back to the um, to the paradigm shift, not only is so much of this real news, if you will, shifting people's paradigm, it then baits the question because people have so much <laughs> ego in how they see the world. It's like, man, no one could ever play me or lie me. But when they realize they've been played, it then baits the question, what now am I going to do about it? And no one really has what, an answer it, for that it, question because it's always, oh, you can't fight City Hall. And, well, you know, there's no accountability then if these, if the, you know, a lot of these things are just allowed to persist and – like you said, it's it's almost it's just the same same thing, just different day. Same thing over, you, dude. You said it better than I did. You you, you really <laughs> did. I I and that's but it, that seems all you can do is you know, and that's why I think coming out with Benghazi and us saying and uh, saying that initially, uh, I think it pulled the curtain back for a lot of people. Say, wait a second, and, and this stuff like Benghazi, granted, being left behind. No, I I don't think that has happened quite a few bit, you know, up to that point. But being lied to. Especially in combat operations by the U.S. government has happened in for years. Now some some of these knuckleheads, these contractors, stood up and said, "You know what? Bullshit. That's not what happened." I think that started to pull the curtain back, and now these now media even got even got more vicious because now they're holding on. They're like, "Wait a second, we could lie, we could lie frivolously, and nobody would say a yeah, word." Exactly. And now we got guys that are actually downrange coming back and saying, "Nope, that <clears> didn't <throat> happen. Nope, you're full of crap on that. Nope, you're full of crap on that." And now they're even digging in even more. So the, I think the best thing we can do is guys is, – is ones that when they are downrange or something happens or they, they're part of a – even a D.C. And, and they, it, it could sacrifice. They've got to jump on – basically, you've got to jump on the grenade, and you've got to jump mm-hmm. on the grenade. You do it because that's the only way that, that we're going to keep these media people and keep them – continue to try to keep them accountable. But they're, you're right. They're, they're, the mainstream media is getting worse and worse. There's just uh, – yeah, the, the racist thing. Everybody's a racist now. Yeah. That's, that's fear-mongering. Right. Know that no, we aren't. No, we aren't. Stop it. Just well, and here's the it. beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing that about what just happened, and this isn't going off on a tangent because it brings me back to a bigger point, is that Jeff, Jeff I, my co-host and I, since the beginning of this show has been – We've been telling people that our government, our State Department, was funding ISIS and funding Al Nusra and uh, you know other other terrorist organizations, you know, in Africa and the Middle East, and we we were we were laughed at. We were laughed at by the vast majority of people, and um, and it's all basically come true, and everybody's everybody's realizing it. But even the stubborn, those very stubborn people that that won't accept it, just got red pilled by Jeffrey Epstein committing suicide <laughs> in a federal prison. Um, and this is all breaking out. And we told everybody he was a dead man. We told everybody he was a dead man. And But the beautiful thing is I, I had a guy make me a meme, and you're going to love this, Chris. Um, it, it, it was a giant wave crashing over a concrete barrier, 
and heading towards a bunch of fleeing people. And on the wave, it said Epstein's suicide. On the wall, it says mainstream media. And on all the people, it says red-pilled Americans. You got to send me that one. I saw another one with the Rocky and the it was it was Rocky Balboa and who's Apollo Creed where they do that handshake and they got both yeah. muscles and yeah. one is concerning one is liberals and one says uh, one says uh, and the both sides can agree on one thing as they're gripping each other's hands with their muscles. Epstein suicide yeah, is a bunch of be, uh, you know, <laughs> it's spot up, brother. I, how again? How much more obvious can you get that that is the most corrupt family in the world, right there? That they, there's things going on. I, I didn't want to believe it. Either. Like, no, nah, come on, they're not killing. They're not killing people to get through the Clintons. Come on, no. Okay. This, this, even if now this is too even far. if it wasn't no. the Clintons, which it, I think their body count lends itself to it could quite possibly be this pedo gate. Not just not just Epstein. We've been talking about this for years and how deep it goes with. You know, your city yep. city councils, your doctors, your lawyers, your federal. I mean, it's in all, you know, Hollywood, just it goes so deep. And so I think, you know, people are now starting to finally possibly realize because, I mean, I don't think we called anything as far as him killing himself. We knew it. The guy knew way too much yeah. to be allowed to live. And it happened just like clockwork. And, you know, the cameras didn't work. I mean, all these horseshit stories about getting to I, the real bottom. Of it. He's on suicide watch, but he dies of suicide. It's always fascinating. It's not. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Yeah, everything. Why couldn't this be about? Why couldn't we have any video on this? We we have plenty of video about Benghazi. Why that was caused? Yeah, but, for sure. <laughs> nope, we don't got any video about it. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. I I was, and this is me, my paradigm being challenged. I was one of those guys like, nah, come on, nah, come on, that's too much House of Cards. That's that's TV <laughs> stuff. But now that this has happened, now that this has happened, yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm wrong. My paradigm has been challenged, and my paradigm is wrong. This is going on. This, this, yeah, this too. Yeah. This is not a coincidence anymore. I mean, it's so art I'm, imitating I'm life. I, I mean, people talk about Game of Thrones. I mean, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big history guy. You go back to ancient Rome, ancient Greece. I mean, this is how you know politics is power, and they do anything to protect it. Now, now the question is, how do we stop it? Exactly. Um, I, you know, have, and like, we say we, all the time, the only time you can really change anything is to recognize that there's a problem. So like you just said a while ago, people have to unplug from the mainstream media. It's not there to inform yep. at all. I mean, going back to, like we said, into World War II and Operation Mockingbird, how the narrative on news has been controlled forever. Yep. And it continues. And like you said, it's all, you know, now it's we've we've said this. I think personally they're gearing us up for some kind of. I don't want to call it Civil War II, but more and more political violence we're going to be seeing. And it's all going to be on these racial levels, ethnic levels, religious levels, gay, yeah. you know, sex orientation levels, political levels. I mean, they need us all fighting. And they, you know, even this Clinton thing with Epstein, it was like Trump killed him. No, Hillary Clinton killed him. Like we didn't talk about pedo gate in the essence of it. We're arguing about who killed you know, who we think killed him yeah. as if that matters. <laughs> I, 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 I'm brother. I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you on, on that. I'm with you that, Talking about it and coming back to it and saying, you know what, we recognize everybody's got to believe that 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 this is this is not a coincidence anymore. That this right. guy just did not commit suicide. There is something shady going on within the political realm. Um, I recognize it now, and I, I and I, you know it's funny that I recognize it now. Now that I don't watch any more news, I don't watch. I, I'll be honest, I don't even watch Fox anymore, guys. And, and I, I have friends at Fox. You know that was yeah. They, yeah, they we were don't, a big supporter. We don't unless we want to learn the but, false narrative. Well, you, you, you don't. I, and now the, your eyes are opening up. So I, I'm, 
great turn on listen to the little podcast you know, i i get better news from podcasts get better information from from the small so the smaller entities not calling you guys but you know not the fox level stuff not the cnn level stuff right and and um and then also just now sitting back and watching and taking it all in and yeah. just like okay my common sense is slowly coming back now that it wasn't zapped by the mainstream media and, and, and this is the I'm, age of information so now people can go do their homework they can hear us talk about this go research benghazi from someone who was there or you know gulf of tonkin or whatever it is that you want to talk about to see you know we talk about all the time that there's always been this for decades going back you know a very long time this black black under uh, underground economy of trading in guns and people and and body parts and in arms i mean this is yeah. that that shadow government or whatever that people just don't want to believe exists and the the pedo stuff and like i said human body parts and children it's a big part of it man well and why do you think yeah. why do you think why do you think the news anchors the mainstream news anchors um at abc nbc cbs and cnn and all the others that are that are big time why do you think it takes $20 million a year to pay them to sit up there and lie? I mean, it's going to take $20 million for me to do that right. because I won't be able to sleep at night, but at least my kids will have a nice life after I shoot myself in the face. <laughs> yeah, cognitive distance and rationalization. If you, yes. can, if you can manage those two or master those two, those yes. two things, you can, brother, you can put a price on your integrity all day and all night. I, I have a problem with that still. I still can't. Yeah can't do that i can't i can't i mean it would have been so much easier again it would have been easier and i, I think i was sitting when i was talking to you and uh the master chief i really god i can't remember i can't remember his name but the the the, the guy that, that he was a master chief for seal teams and now he's he teaches the halo yeah i thought about it because I, I don't know if i would speak out again just because i i miss my job so much but right. there's a sacrifice you have to make to to and i really it was it it was hard decision to make but it was something that was need necessary because it just I'm like I cannot sit back here and yeah. let them do this again. Let them change the narrative, and the rest of the team. I, I'm glad I had the rest of the team because if it was just me, I may have just said no. Nah, I'm going to keep working. It's not that important. I got it. Right. But you know, I, ha I have five other uh, five other guys with me that were back and that we were backing each other up. And I think that and I do think we made the right decision. But would I make that decision again if mm. we're put in that situation? Just knowing now what I you know. I don't know. Well, and especially, man, what, what frustrates the hell out of us on this show is the lack of accountability. And I have to ask you, as someone who was directly involved in this, how crazy did it drive you when you heard Hillary Clinton, when she was being deposed, basically snapping at the people? Like, at this point, what difference does it make? Right. Just completely trying to wash your hands of the, of the horrible shit she did. I, I remember seeing that. Actually, I was I, we were out. I, everybody, knew, everybody knew who myself, Oz, and Tig were. I think we had already been out and we'd been on the Brett Bear show, and and we, you know, we the movie we we're working on the movie, and I heard that. I, I thought about I thought about Pat Smith, John Smith's mob, and I saw thought about Cheryl. I thought about Ty's dad, and I thought about them watching that, right. and then, and I thought about my mom watching that and be like, holy! Right. Basically, she just said that you, their lives aren't worth a shit. That she, yeah. what difference does it make that we lost these Americans? What difference does it make that we lost? What, and I called my mom. I said, "Did you see that?" And she, she, my mom went off. Like I can't believe that woman. Because you know this, that woman said that it's about basically she does not care about any any of the other people's children because she doesn't care about why because it didn't make a difference. What difference does it make? It makes a huge difference right. because sons and daughters died. Da sons and daughters died. And now you're lying about it. And now you're lying about it in grandstanding in front of Congress when you can't answer the questions. And it sickened me to the core. And actually, that helped my resolve because I, I 
I was getting tired of speaking, and I just said, you know what, hell with it. And I just started speaking more and more and more uh, out yeah. there uh, on the. And I was on the road. I, I probably was gone, getting there eight months out of the next twelve, just like I was deployed, just speaking. It, it, it was it, it made me sick to my stomach. I, I and I, I actually I, I do believe I went on. I went on both Fox and I think on even on CNN International, RTV, they had Russian, Russian TV, it was RTV, yeah. I was on Newsmax, I mean, I did it all, and I'm like, that is the most disgusting, vile thing that a woman could, that any woman or any person could say, because you just, you just basically said that their children, Pat's, Sean wasn't worth it, Chris, and Master Stevens, their life wasn't worth it, Ty's life wasn't worth it, Bub's life wasn't worth anything, because it didn't make a difference one way or the other, right. where... Jeez. Every life overseas that's serving makes a difference. Yeah, it 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 it, it pissed me off to say the least, but it also sickened me. And and um and you know, I, I I did I I really I called my mom, and I I wanted to get her opinion. My mom's pretty level headed. My mom is, and I wanted I wanted to get a I'll be, I, all you out there. I wanted to get a woman's opinion, a mom's opinion on what just happened, because yeah. and because her son was involved and. I made my mom sicker, and I think it made me, and it pissed her off more than it pissed me. I mean, I was so, infuriated. Uh, I, I, I wasn't right. even involved, and it yeah. just—I was like, "How do you? How does somebody?" I mean, I know she's the yeah. worst of the worst, and then she has the nerve yeah, to go and run the for most evil human on the planet. Then there she goes no and runs for that. president. I'm like, "Wow, dude, you have <laughs> no shame whatsoever." What I really want to do, I, I, Chris, I really want to just because we—I know we've taken you probably longer than we should have, um, but I really want um, our listeners to hear. You know, there was a, a ton of acts of heroism during this whole uh, evening, this 13 hours of hell that you guys went through. But but the moment you talked about, um, and I can't remember the details off the top of my head of who um, who was giving who CPR. I mean, the you know, the, the person. Oh, uh, yeah, you know. If you it, could yeah, tell that part thing. of the story so people understand what, like, what true heroism is to, to, to bring somebody back as far as the, the person that was still alive, not the person that was dead that was getting CPR, yeah, but yeah. the other people. Well, and that's, that's the amazing things you see. You see, you, you, you see the normal the, – I say the normal acts of heroism, guys running towards gunfire, Tig getting up on the rooftop when mortars are still fire for effect, and he's, still, he's getting up there no matter what, even though the mortars are going to come raining down on him to see who's alive. You see, you, know, you see Tyrone, before he got blown up, just hammering guys, knowing those mortars are, are danger close. They're coming in danger close, and he's staying in his ground just making sure nobody comes over that back gate. Um, but – you know that there was no fire involved, but you know Jack over there after, after we repelled the attack at it was the second attack that that we repelled uh, at the consulate, and this is early on in the night, and you know I remember and and, just, and watching Boone Boone level-headed Boone and and those that know Boone if you haven't I'll tell you Boone uh, Dave Benton Boone. Um, he was a Marine staple too, and he was a sniper, the most level-headed guy I know. He was he started with me as a contractor at Blackwater. We started together in 2003, and I deployed with him in in two other areas of operations on several deployments in, in Iraq and Afghanistan. But he, you know, him coming to coming and angry and just livid and just pissed off, saying, "God, he just." If he just would have let us leave on time, you know, and, and so I'm already getting built up. I'm thinking, oh my God, who, something happened. Something happened. What happened? And I know he's angry, so it, it's now it's really serious because he doesn't get angry. So when he's getting angry, now I know, uh oh, uh, this is really bad. So my I'm in knots, and me saying, hey dude, what happened? What happened? And this, keep in mind, we had already just repelled an attack, so we're, our adrenaline is is crazy high. 
And uh, what happened? What happened? And him saying we lost one. You know, just I re- I still remember vividly him saying we lost one. And you know, you think you have lost one. Oh crap! And then your head going, oh, okay. You're, you're, all your buddies had pictures of their faces. And then him saying we. Well, I and I said to him, who'd we lose? Who'd we lose? And he said the IT guy. Now I can remember, and I remember I Pat. I, I said that, and I always say this because I still feel bad. I couldn't remember who that was when he said it initially. It took me. It felt like five minutes. It probably was five seconds. I couldn't remember who the IT guy was, and then it just hit me like, oh crap, that's Sean Smith. And so Boone, I, and I, you know, I get Boone back. All he does to get him back is he's level-headed. Is I just give him, you know, I give him the. He's a sergeant in the core. I give him the knife hand. I just say sergeant, and his eyes come back. So he's he's back in it. He's back calm. He's back to the Boone. I know he he can handle himself. He always can. And. I go to the front of the compound and I see Jack Silva. Um, Jack, for those who watched the movie, John Krasinski played Jack Silva in the movie, the real Jack Silva. And and I, I love watching the movie because Jack and John Krasinski actually look look dang near alike. But I remember seeing Jack Silva and he's doing chest compressions over Sean's body. And you're looking and Sean is dead. Sean's died of smoke inhalation. Jack and uh, and um, Dave Ubin, who did very well that night, State Department officer, and Ty had managed to get him out of there. They were pulling him out of the window. He's dead. Now, now when he, they put him on the ground, Scott Wickland, who was the ambassador's body man, who lost control of the ambassador, but he got out you know, and saved his own life, but had got out, was sitting on a set of steps right next to Jack and Sean's dead body, lifeless body. And you can see him going into shock. And when somebody goes into shock, they're, it's different for everybody. You see their eyes. They just kind of gloss over. He's rocking back and forth. The movie's actually pretty pretty good, pretty accurate as far as what Sean was doing, what Scott was doing. Scott was rocking back and forth going, he was just with me. He was just with me, and I'm watching all this. And then I see Jack doing the chest compressions, and I look up at Scott, and I look Jack, and I look at Scott, and they're they're talking to each other. And Jack says to Scott, dude, stay with me, man. We're still in this fight. Stay with me. Stay with me. And I got the hugest grin on my face because I was just amazed at just watching Jack. He's looking at a dead body. Now, I don't know what demons go through Jack's head, but he's doing chest compressions on a dead body to get Scott back in the fight. Because if Scott goes into shock, we have six guys. That's it. We have a dead body. If Scott goes into shock, that takes three of us out of the fight. That's the math you do. An injured person takes three able bodies out of a fight, and that is usually right. But we are com- we're already we're already strained thin. Now we are combat ineffective. And I remember just smiling and thinking to myself. And I do remember I looked up and I just thank God for putting me. I'm like, thank you for putting me in this situation. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to be with this team. And just watching Jack and smiling at him as he is just sacrificing his own mental state for the rest of his life to get Scott out of shock. And then I see Tyrone come. And Tyrone's a big dude. Tyrone. He, he did look like a Leonidas from 300. Tyrone was jacked. And Tyrone puts his big arm, big that big paw, on Scott's shoulders and says, man, we're still in this fight. you got to stay with us. It's still early. We're still in this fight. And just watching that scene, and I, I can still see it. And I still get chills thinking about it. And I'm still smiling when I talk about it because I'm just watching it in awe going, how lucky am I to be here? How lucky am I to be in this situation here? And, you know, that's why when people talk about Benghazi and they say it's conspiracy or they say it's, it's, it's politically driven or they say that – they say, you know what? Politics had everything to do about Benghazi. That really didn't happen. 
it pisses me off because of things that I saw like that, that night. And that is just one thing that I saw that night that just was amazing to me that showed the human spirit and showed complete heroism, complete forsaking somebody's own mental state to help somebody else, sacrifice the, the really pinnacle of John 15, 13, one of those things that it, it, it just sticks with me and it makes me think, man, I wish I could go back to that night. I wish I could go back and be there right then, right there because of the feeling of how good you get of being with guys that you just don't, you don't get that feeling anywhere else. You don't get right. that anywhere else, but in that situation right there and just being in sheer amazement of, of watching, just watching how great human beings can be, even when there's death involved. It was just amazing. And I, I know I get pumped up thinking about it. just God, I can only how imagine. awesome are we? And, and, and that's and the thing gotta, is listening to that though, um, you, it makes a civilian realize why haven't you know our our level of friendship and and brotherhood with with our buddies in high school and college and even the I mean look I had a great bond an incredible bond with the athletes that I coached and trained with for a lot sure. of years but that's not life threatening situations you're not in war um, it's a whole different level of bonding um, that you guys obviously go through and and none of us you know are going to experience anything like that. Um, just just because of the nature of the intensity of what you guys had to go through. Well, and that's that's just just one of those things, I guess. Just being lucky. I people think being unlucky. I I feel it's no. I just was very lucky because I had other nine nine and a half, close to ten other years where where you know it was very just minor stuff. You know this and that. That is complete. That you know that that scene right there. I didn't experience that all the time, but to be able right. to experience even just one time that scene right there was amazing. And, I, and the, to be able to be at the point of my career where I could just take a step back and I could calm myself down, the adrenaline didn't overtake me where I could actually watching it, watch it and, and, and take it all in where if it would have happened early in my career, I probably wouldn't have been able to really enjoy that whole scene because the adrenaline just, I mean, I would have been going crazy. I'd have been just completely uh, unable to handle the adrenaline where in that point of my career, I'd been through it. So I'd been through adrenaline filled, filled, and I don't want to say, I'm not Sergeant York by any means. Those guys have done a hell of a lot more than I have, but been through enough adrenaline-related experiences that I could just take a step back and 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 just watch it for a second and be like, yeah. and just take it all in. Yeah. And that is amazing. That's 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 what I miss. I miss all that that just being able to take all that in, and 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 just 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 it's just a it's just a whole different world. The world just opens up. It's amazing. Absolutely. And now, so. We had I had to get that out of you, man, because that was such an incredible story. Um, thank you for taking the time to, to talk about it. And before we let you go, look, dude, um, anything that you want to pump? Obviously, we want everybody that listens to the Conspiracy Farm all around the world, you know, to get you know your book, Thirteen Hours, by Chris Peranto. We want them to get the movie Thirteen Hours and watch it because it truly depicts what went down that evening. And uh, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? A website? or speaking engagements that you have coming up, stuff like that, that you want to pump up? Well, I, I, I have a website, com, and it's spelled with a K. My, my name's K-R-I-S-T-A-N-T-O, Peranto, P-A-R-O-N-T-O. I mean, .net, not .com. I'm sorry, .net. Um, you know, I do have a third book coming out. I, I was asked to write. Uh, the 13 Hours was us. was myself. I didn't write it. It was just me. It was my teammates as well, and then Mitchell Zukoff came in and helped us. Because when you have SEALs and Marines and Rangers trying to write a book, it turns into a coloring book and a pop-up book, so you actually have to have an author come in there and fix it for you to get it where it needs to be. But you know, the Ranger Way was the second one. Uh, Hachette, our Grand Central Publishing, asked me to do a third one. 
And I, I, you know, I, I like, let's not do it on me. I, I, it's on other guys. It's, it's actually short stories about other guys overcoming their own adversity. And it's not just combat. I got a ranger in there that overcame alcoholism to become a ranger. You know, you, you, you have other things that, that, so it can be relatable to everybody. It doesn't just have to be combat heroism. It can be, how can you overcome any sort of adversity in your life and how guys overcame? Yes. I have, a, I have a gentleman that burned in on a halo jump, a, a PJ that burned in, died on impact. He was pronounced dead, and then he actually rose himself. He actually they revived him, and he became a PJ again. Um, his name's Scott Gear, Scotty Gear, then Ben Morgan. Wait a minute. Yeah, he, so his shirt didn't deploy yeah. correctly, and he died on impact. It, actually, his, his buddy that was above him, they were gonna they were gonna hit, and his shoot opened, and his buddy above him, his shoot didn't open. His shoot was malfunctioning, and so the guy balled up and went through Scotty's shoot, causing that to be a malfunction. And Scotty burned in. And he actually on the drop zone, he died. And I'm going to say for it, he died. He died. <laughs> and they revived him. And he, it's just a little bit of a stir about him working him way back in to go back into the PJs. He actually worked that's his way back in. Yes. And then he was a contractor with Triple Canopy, and that's how I got to know him as a contractor. And But there's other guys in there. Israel Matos, a Marine who – who, who was severely injured due to an IED. Ben Morgan, Ben's a ranger buddy of mine who, who, uh, who I knew from high school days on who fought alcoholism and then went and then fixed himself. And he was, I mean, honestly, I thought he was going to just drink himself to death. Um, and there's other stories in there. So, but uh, wow. the third book, and it's called The Patriot's Creed. And, and, Beautiful. and I, I wanted to do, do it that way, Pat, just because we, we get, oh, the, you know, and the, the operator, and this is guys, and this is how I'm so cool, and this is, I'm not cool. There's guys a lot cooler than me. Let's do stories. That's what I told the hash yet. There's dudes a lot cooler than me. Let's do stories about them. And just if my name helps it get out, then then my my name helps get them out so people can see that there are fantastic people, not just not Tano. There's guys better than me that have gone through more that people can learn from to be heroic. And it is. It's about leading a heroic life no matter who you are. And that's what the third book's about, and it's out in October. Well, and, you guys and, uh, were – you guys are all our heroes. I'll tell you that right now, and that's that's important for people. The Americans appreciate you, you guys, an awful lot, and what you guys have had to endure. And you know, for all those guys out there with PTSD um, that are, that have some tough dealing with coming back to civilian life because, of, you know, yeah, there's a lot of civilians back here that are unappreciative, that are idiots, that that maybe piss them off at a bar or whatever. And you know, you come back from a combat <laughs> zone and you think. You know, just last week I was killing assholes like you, and you're running your mouth. But <laughs> yeah, for any, for any guy that's, you know, any 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 soldier, any combat vet, anybody that's having any problems with PTSD, I mean, I highly urge him. We had a guy named Micah Fink, who's a former SEAL, on our show, and he runs Heroes Heroes for Horses out in Montana, and that's where they take um, 40 um, 40 veterans who are suffering from PTSD, maybe maybe uh, taken psychotropic drugs and, and a lot of the other stuff maybe dealing with alcoholism and they they take you out on the ranch and you train um, a wild mustang on your own that's your wild horse to train they teach you how to train them and then they ride them 300 400 miles through the back country and the mountains and it changes their whole life it, it's it's i think one of the most unique and coolest programs i've ever seen and that's heroes for horses so i don't even know if you've ever heard of that but for anybody yeah. out there that that's struggling yeah. man uh go to go to heroes for horses google it look up micah fink and and fill out the paperwork and and try and get in there man because i tell you what if if i was if i was a military veteran that was struggling that's that's where i would want to be 
Dan, you're doing great things with that, Pat. For, and 14, I, I, I forgot, I have the 14th Hour Foundation that helps if, if, if guys need money to go to that or if other foundations need money to, to help support, just reach out to the 14th Hour for Foundation and, and I'll get them a grant. I just, I just hope that uh, recently, and I didn't, but other people did through the foundation, which is mine, help the Air Force vet uh, pay two months of his mortgage because he was running behind. Beautiful. So, uh, and that's, I always, I, awesome. we always want to help each other out. So I, anything I can do to help out, especially with the, yeah, I do know the heroes for horses. Please let me know Pat. you reach out to me and say, this guy can't afford the airfare or this or not. Let me know. And I'll more than likely, and I'll float the money on my bolton pocket if I have to. You're awesome, dude. And, uh, Look, Chris Peranto, uh, we can't thank you enough. We've been honored to, that you even took the time to to spend with little old me and Jeff. And uh, oh, and- shit, little, come on, dude, you still whoop my ass. No, no, you're trying. <laughs> well, <laughs> look, in, in a in a caveman fight, I do all right. But when there's bullets flying, I'm hiding behind you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you got just mixed up real small because I remember I'm only 150 pounds, five foot two. I'm a little guy. <laughs> well, if I if I stand sideways, then just my belly will get shot. <laughs> that's awesome touche well 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 played brother well played all right man thank you again uh, chris you got you have a great night with your son okay thanks pat talk to you again soon just ask me anytime anytime you want me on ask me i'll, I'll be there brother thank you right, very bro. much thank for you. your service sir you too brother take care all righty all right bye that was awesome Bye-bye. all right ladies and gentlemen chris tanto pronto peace and all kinds of love stay tuned we will have more